Today's episode is brought to you by Dr. Jeffrey Halstead, DMD. Dr. Jeffrey Halstead has been Canandaigua's hometown dentist for more than 35 years, offering routine dental care as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures by their highly trained and experienced staff. Visit them online at canandaiguadentistry.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram. Today's program is brought to you in part thanks to Cafe 19, breakfast, lunch, pastry, celebratory cakes, pies, and catering. Guaranteed fresh, always local at Cafe 19 in Saga Falls. Also offering an assortment of beverages including tea, coffee, and espresso drinks. You can try out their full menus and weekly specials at xixcafe.com. Everybody, welcome into Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. Paul Russo and Kyle Evans here with you. As always, Kyle, been about a month. Figured we'd convene here. Is the season officially over? Texas Rangers are the World Series champions of the MLB. Um, so, quite the interesting deal. I don't necessarily think we expected maybe the matchup that exactly was at the beginning of the year uh i didn't like how people thought texas was an outright surprise i mean they were going to be better than they were last year in theory but uh either way it is what it is so how have you been what were your thoughts uh, i guess there on the postseason and the outcome that uh, ended up being yeah um i was pretty surprised by the matchup um Obviously, I'd like to see the. I would have liked to see the Yankees in the World Series. It's been way too long, but in terms of having different teams, I did like that. I wish the games were a little better, uh-huh. um, but it was something different other than Boston, L.A., you know, big bigger markets like that. Like I was kind of root for Arizona, you know, the underdog throughout the playoffs, always found a way, and the Magic just came up too short. But yeah, um, hopefully next year at this time we're talking about a you know, a World Series for the Yankees. It's been way, way too long. And, uh, yeah, um, excited for the off season. Yeah, we'll touch on some stuff there, obviously, coming up. And um, it's pretty interesting. Texas, they went 11-0 on the road, never been done before. And uh, I mentioned the on-the-road portion of it because, uh, in order, they defeated the Rays, the Orioles, the Astros, and then the Diamondbacks, R-O-A-D. How you spell road? R O A D. Oh, crazy! <laughs> Never didn't think of that or baseball. See that baseball wor- baseball works in weird ways. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's begin here, Kyle, uh, with the Yankees. Um, I want to start here. Go. We'll handle this type of stuff here quickly for both the Yankees and the Mets when we get to them. Uh, the Yankees placed on outright waivers: right-hand pitchers Domingo Herman, Ryan Weber, Jimmy Cordero, and Matt Bowman, as well as outfielder Billy McKinney and Frankie Cordero. So, if you don't know what outright waivers are, quick synopsis of it more or less is: it's creating a f- spot on the forty-man roster. If you were to clear the waivers, and all these guys, I believe, have the service time to do this at this point you either have the option to accept your outright assignment to the minor leagues or you can elect free agency Um, my understanding is probably all these guys will take up the free agency portion of it could be wrong but uh, that was the last I saw of it so obviously the main headliner there uh, I think is going to be Domingo Herman 
who we expected anyway not to be back with the Yankees going forward next year. Not a surprise there. Um, so to me, anyway, on the list of the outright aside, or outright waiver waiver placements for the Yankees, uh, my eyes, Kyle, no no surprises, uh, and obviously, like I said, clearing spots on the forty man roster, so that way the Yankees coming up here can either, and this is for any big league team, right? Not just the Yankees, not just the Mets, could be for the case for the A's or the Dodgers or whoever, right? Allows you to protect guys potentially from Rule Five draft issues. Um, allows you to obviously go out. Today, when we're recording, first day of free agency, technically, stuff like that. So uh, it allows you to make roster moves without uh, really the repercussions of trying to adjust your roster in a, in a big-time basis. Yeah, and uh, the Yankees still do have some moves to make. Um, they have to activate their players that are on the 60-day IL still. Um, so that would be Nestor Cortez, Jason Dominguez, Scott Efros, Luis Heal, Anthony Rizzo, Jose Trevino, and a name we haven't heard from in forever, Lou Trevino. That's right. So uh, they actually, so it's been four days, I think by tomorrow, because they had like a five-day window, they have to have these players uh, activated. So we should see those moves coming. And uh, obviously the GM meetings start tomorrow. Um, so we'll hear from Brian Cashman. Maybe he can give some insight. Um, I can't remember if they have enough room to activate all these players or they have to make a few more moves. I'm not sure because there's so many guys that are on the IL. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see more tomorrow. Yeah, the outright waivers, so there's six of them total for the Yankees that they did. So I believe they would have to clear space for one more, if I recall them. Yeah, right? yeah so. I th- I'm thinking one more yeah. Uh, spot. Yeah, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, pretty pretty interesting too. Well, we'll circle back to roster stuff here in a minute. Uh, let's jump over to the managerial side of things, if we'll call it here. Begin quickly. Sean Casey not coming back next year as Yankee heading coach. Um, I don't think it was necessarily a surprise. Necessarily, I think personally speaking. I would have been fine with them coming back for another year just to see what a full year would probably look like with Sean Casey. I thought there were some improvements with some people in the lineup, but uh, elsewhere I think there was some struggle still. Uh, mainly, I think, with the, with the guys who worked a lot with Lawson coming up through the, through the system and stuff like that. And that was something that even, Kyle, we talked about you know, just to each other. That was something I believe, a, I can't remember who exactly wrote about it. I remember reading articles about it even, too, about that being a potential issue. But, you know, Sean said he'd, he wants to spend more time, obviously, with his family still and stuff like that. And uh, this allows him to obviously go and accomplish that without uprooting his family. I believe his kids are right at the end of their high school lives and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, all the best to Sean. I, we, we talked about it when he got hired, at least I did. I love Sean Casey, just a baseball guy a good guy so I didn't have any problems with him one way or another whatever the decision for him happened to be uh coming back or in this case not coming back to the Yankees next year yeah so the Yankees will be looking for their fourth hitting coach since 2018 um kind of crazy because they haven't had a manager switch since then um since Aaron Boone you know took over in what 20 was it 20 2018 Yeah. yeah so uh they're going on their fourth hitting coach, but they have the same manager, so that's kind of a little rare. Um, but, yeah, I'm interested to see who they bring in. Uh, I haven't heard a ton of names yet. Um, maybe Brian Cashman will give some information on that, but probably not too much. So, uh, yeah, um, I, don't, I really don't know who I'd l- even like to bring in. 
Yeah, I'm guessing we'll probably see some of this shake out, and this is a really good transition. Once we see more of the managerial changes throughout the league take place, name connected to that, Carlos Mendoza uh, from the Yankee bench coach position and coaching staff. Uh, we can cross off one of the names as uh, right before we went uh, I hit a record. Uh, the Guardians announced Stephen Vogt as their next manager. So uh, Mendoza has been linked with Cleveland, but also has had some links with Houston. Uh, but the two main primary ones uh, that I've seen him linked to are the Mets and the Padres, uh, as it stands right now. Um, you know, this isn't the first time Mendoza's name's popped up in the managerial cycle. He was through it last year. Chicago, the White Sox, uh, is the one that sticks out to me through that cycle with him last year. Um It'll be interesting to see. I think the Houston one is kind of like a, a backup plan for the team itself, I would imagine. The two names I've heard for them pop up most at this point are within with former Yankee bench coach and longtime coach Joe Espada and uh, Ron Washington, who I would love to see back managing somewhere someday. Uh, but uh, those would be the two primary there. The Mets, we can get into more here, obviously, when we get to them. But obviously, I think uh, a lot of our listeners and and viewers know that that's probably Craig Council as it stands right now, barring something crazy happening. The Padres one is interesting, though, to me. I, I don't know what to make of that. It's pretty interesting given, you know, the Yankees' connections to the Padres this offseason, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but, you know, this would cause another wrinkle, obviously, right, Kyle, in the, in the coaching selection process for the rest of Aaron Boone's staff next year. Looking for a hitting coach, as we discussed, but also – potentially looking at uh, a new bench coach as well. Yeah, uh, for the Yankees, Luis Rojas is actually a uh, – his contract's up. Uh, Yankees third base coach, of course, he was the last yep. two, three years, was it? Yep. Um, so what they could do is bring him back as the uh, bench coach. Which I wouldn't be opposed if to. If Mendoza does leave, and then just bring in a third base coach. Yeah. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. And uh, – Speaking of, like, manager stuff, uh, John Heyman reported, like, 40 minutes ago that Buck Showalter, Ron Washington, and a few others are potential Angels candidates. Mm. So uh, I guess Mendoza's not linked to anything to do with the Angels. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens with that. And I guess Buck Showalter regarding – okay, so it's the same stuff. Yeah, so um, I guess really – we just got to see where Carlos Mendoza ends up yeah. for uh, things to be made on the coaching stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, one of those domino effect type deals, like I mentioned, right? You know, once once a lot of other things get figured out, it's where you kind of see everybody else kind of float out. I mean, the only, it's funny, I mean, a little connection here, obviously, with the rest of the teams we talk about here, you know, Rochester, their parent club, Washington. They're the only team I've seen make moves that, you know, prior to this really final shifting of true managers' positions get filled out. I know they've rehired their their base coach position, and um, by the way, shout out to Geraldo Parra. He's the new first base coach for uh, for the Nationals, so that'll be interesting to see. And obviously, big fan favorite down there, uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of see down there what 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 kind of shakes out. Um, mentioned the Padres. Interesting news kind of uh, came out early last week, or I guess midway through last week, really. The Yankees and the Padres have had these preliminary talks on a potential Juan Soto trade. Um, and a lot of this news, uh, I think we all know, purposely comes out the way it does. Padres, we learned last week, had to take out a $50 million loan in September just to make a player payroll. Um, 
So it's pretty apparent they're going to try and unload contracts somewhere. Uh, they've already made some moves. I, I know they aren't picking up Michael Waka's option. I think that was like a $12.5 million uh, contract, for example, that they're going to get off the books here uh, and stuff like that. Juan Soto, obviously, it's a big number uh, to come off their books potentially. And things probably haven't gone as well as they had hoped with him out there. I don't think it's anything Juan Soto-specific. San Diego's situation this year was really, really strange. Um, but let's focus on the Yankees side of it here. It certainly would solve that left-handed bat issue in the lineup. Um, I think we all know what Juan Soto can, and I guess maybe Slash can't do. I could really care less about the cans. I think he's a fine corner outfielder, um, and obviously his bat is a beyond plus-plus, as we would call it, in the MLB. Uh, guy's generational, young enough, still obviously, right? I mean, he's, what, 24 now, I think? So, or no, 23. I apologize for that. 25. 25? Yeah. My math is not good. 2019 seems like it was just yesterday still. Uh, but um, I think for me personally, I'm all on board. If, if the Yankees can get this nailed down and get it nailed down, more importantly, right, in my opinion. What does that mean? I think it kind of depends on two factors here. Obviously, there's going to have to be some sort of numbers match monetary-wise. I don't think as much as the Padres want to unload a contract and clearly on their end help save money, they're going to have to take some sort of contract from the Yankees. Whether that, and I don't know, and I don't, I haven't seen anything. I haven't heard anything. Kyle, I don't know if you've seen anything or heard anything. I don't know if that means like they just like, here, you have to take Giancarlo Stan, for example. I know it's probably not the right, right one, but that's always the contract that fans bring up in terms of, Yankee contracts and stuff like that I don't know if that means Rizzo I don't know who you know secondly obviously comes down to minor leagues I don't know if I'm comfortable and I don't think the Yankees are going to allow Dominguez or Austin Wells or any of the guys really that were called up within the past couple years within reason I think there'd be a couple names they would entertain to send over to San Diego I think the names you're going to likely see probably in the trades in a trade like this would be a guy like, say, Drew Thorpe, Spencer Jones, uh, guys like that, Trey uh, Sweeney, guys like that who um, made organizational all-stars, accolades in the minor leagues this year, who are still probably a year away. I know, like, if you listen to our last podcast, I talked about how, like, could be guys you see by the end of the year if they needed something, and that's true, don't get me wrong, but probably still really a year away from actual impact. That would be my guess is who gets in. I would be fine with a couple of them going, you know. I just think, look, the Yankees have been on the bad end of a lot of bad deals recently, and that's why I get concerned. It goes back to the Cashman deal, and the one that sticks out to me, and we'll talk about this, it's our last talking point with the Yankees after this. You know, I always circle back to that deal with the Twins where, and hindsight's 2020, you know, Gio Urcella and Gary Sanchez both are not Minnesota Twins and haven't been for over a calendar year each at this point. Uh, 
But the same token for what the Yankees gave up and what they got in return from them, you know, Josh Donaldson certainly didn't live up to the hype. Uh, well, hype relatively, I guess, still for his ability. And, you know, Isaiah Kyra Falefa, God bless him. I love him. I think he's still a great piece to kind of have in the clubhouse. Has not been what he was that year in Minnesota for the Yankees. So that's the way I kind of view it. At the end of the day, I think – look, I don't think this is a bull prediction, but, like, if Cashman wants to kind of show that I still got it type thing, this is his whale. This is the one he has to get done this offseason, in my opinion. Not Shohei, not the other guys that were getting posted from, you know, the NPB over in Japan or anything like that. I think this would be the whale that – you know, I don't like phrasing it this way, but this would be the whale that would save his job, in my opinion. Yeah, the uh, one thing I think they need to do is uh, stop stop shying away from unloading prospects. I think a lot of times, you know, the organization just doesn't want to give up the younger guys. And um, to make this team better, unfortunately, you're going to have to. And um, obviously, uh, these are just preliminary talks so hopefully it reaches the gms and you know actually have real conversations but yeah i agree with you i think juan soto would be uh one of the best moves of the offseason if they uh got a deal done um i do think they should obviously make more than just that move and the one guy for laying out our offseason uh you know goals or uh, what we want to happen i don't know if you want to do that but uh yamamoto the guy from japan yeah. is definitely one guy that i would be all in on as well and yeah i'm I'm not sure um, what I would do with the bullpen. Um, I might move on from Wandy Peralta, um, and I might bring in a guy. I mentioned it off air before, like Will Smith, mm-hmm. um, replace a lefty for that lefty. Um, I can't. I don't know the age gap. I, I'm sure he's a older, a little older. Wandy to Will. Yeah. Uh, Maybe the same age or so, yeah. but I don't know. I just um, I think uh, some moves like that need to be made. Uh, not. I don't think they bring back. Uh, Severino, I think they're going to bring back Frankie Montas. I don't like that. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, Juan Soto and Yamamoto should be at the top of the list for the offseason yeah. moves. And then uh, one final big note here. I, I, well, big note for the Yankees before we move on to the Mets. Um, so without with, throughout the trade stuff here, uh, kind of one of the positions, I guess, for the Yankees that I won't say has magically become short up, but – Behind the plate, catching looks like it's kind of solidified for the most part, whether that's Austin Wells slash Jose Trevino when he comes back. But, you know, Jose Trevino, I know this year wasn't great, but over the course of the past two years collectively has shown that at worst he can be that replacement level guy. And, you know, the way it looks right now and the way he ended the year, it looks like Austin Wells is going to be on that big league roster to start spring next year. So that leaves two guys in particular – kind of on the outside looking in. That's Kyle Higashioka and Ben Rortvet. Uh I guess it's now been put out there that the Yankees have made these two available for trade on the MLB equivalent of the trade block. Um, what they could get for them, I don't know. I think Rortvet probably would have slightly less value than Higgy would at this point. Um I kind of look at Higgy. I <laughs> this is going to be kind of laughable, I think, for maybe some people. I know I, you'll probably get a chuckle from this, Kyle. I look at Higgy somewhere 
below Austin Romine and above John Ryan Murphy in terms of like the backup catchers that the Yankees either let go or traded throughout the course of the past decade. Um, and look, Romine was still getting used up until last year uh, throughout the league. Uh, I think somebody will somebody will go at Higgy just for defense alone. I mean. Not to disparage the guy, but Austin Hedges is a World Series champion for a reason, though. Um, so somebody will take a run at Higgy. Rortvet's still young, so I would imagine somebody takes a run at him just out of principle type thing. But, uh, you know, I guess after reading and, and kind of looking at it, I, I do agree. I, I don't know if these two are going to be on the Yankee roster come I don't know the day off the top of my head but mid-February when pitchers and catchers report at at St. Pete yeah they have to move forward Austin Wells as the number one Jose Trevino as the two Um, Hayashioka does have a year remaining obviously on his contract Um, so I think a team definitely would be interested and Igashioka, you know, isn't a great hitter, of course. Um, he isn't JT Ramuto, but defense first. But he he has his moments where he can get hot, as any other hitter can, and he does have some pop for for a catcher. Um, what did he finish with? Ten or eleven home runs, yeah. uh, career highs, I think. Right? Yeah. So um, obviously, you're not going to acquire him for uh, expecting a ton of offense, right. but yeah, I do think teams will be interested in him. Ben Rortvet, I get it. He's young. But I think teams are also going to look at his injury history. You're not going to give up much for right. the amount of games he's played um, over the last several years. So, yeah, uh, I think that's definitely two guys that could be on the move and should be on the move. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, let's uh, transition over to some Mets stuff here. Uh, let's begin now with the outright waivers. We'll get to them in a minute. But with their managerial search, um, I jokingly was talking with you know Josh Durso uh, here at the office. Uh, he he's a Mets fan, and you know I jokingly say like, we're gonna do this podcast. We're gonna record it right today is Monday. Um, we're gonna be recording, and Craig Council is gonna officially be hired tomorrow on Tuesday. Um, and I don't want to get hopes off. Blah blah blah. I I think Craig Council to the Mets might as well just be a done deal at this point. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, he's kind of doing – I think he's doing some leverage plays elsewhere. That's why I think he was kind of talking to Cleveland a little bit. I don't think he had any intentions really of going to Cleveland. If he went to Cleveland, he would have just probably have outright stayed at Milwaukee, in my opinion. But uh, that's a different discussion for a different podcast. Uh, but it it's pretty much down to, quote, unquote, Craig Council and Carlos Mendoza in the eyes of the Mets. Uh, with obviously Craig Council being the A main number one all day slam dunk hire. Uh, so that's the way it's looking. And it's interesting because Craig Council wants to reset the manager market and, and stuff like that. And I, I love I love the idea of it, don't get me wrong, but you know, for the Mets, you want to talk about a really great hire? It it is Craig Council. He is the ultimate combination and Milwaukee's the perfect example of it because that team was still David Stearns even through this year. You know, his handprint was on that team. The combination of Stearns and Council is the ultimate combination of new school analytics and just that old school baseball mentality. And they meshed well together in Milwaukee, and I think they're going to mesh well in New York. Now, 
Will they get the same results that they do in New York to Milwaukee, in Milwaukee to New York? I don't know. Two very different markets, right? Two very different thought processes there. But what you have different in New York than you do Milwaukee, you have an owner who clearly does not mind spending the money to win. And you can't necessarily say that Milwaukee, <laughs> if you look at what they've been doing the past couple of years. And to me, that's great for that mindset. I, I just I worry a little bit about the pressures. Craig Council is a very reserved individual. But I guess you could probably make the same case uh, for Buck Showalter, for example. Buck, you know, was a very reserved guy for the most part. Um, you know, Luis Rojas, you want to keep going back a little bit. Rojas was reserved for the most part, I'd say. Uh, Mickey Calloway was definitely not, <laughs> I would call it. Uh, and, you know, even though I would call Terry Collins not reserved, it's a different kind of not reserved than Mickey Calloway's not reserved. So, you know, I know I just went through a Rolodex of guys that the Mets have had managing in the course of the past seven years now since Terry Collins retired. But Don't forget Carlos Beltran. Uh, for, for the two minutes, like, <laughs> yeah, like Carlos Correa being a, a San Francisco giant. But, uh, you know, I think Craig Council, right guy for the job right now for the Mets. And... You know, it's not to say, like, down upon, like, you know, Carlos Mendoza. I just think for for what the Mets want to do right now, I don't think you can necessarily go with that first-time job type individual. I think you got to go with that guy who's, you know, he's been in these tighter situations before comp- competition-wise and stuff like that. And I think it is important that, you know, Stearns and Council know each other. They like each other. Talk about that Milwaukee connection already. But they know each other. They know what to expect from each other. And I think – for the, what the Mets are going to be doing and what the Mets have planned, it's it's the right guy for right now. Yeah, I think uh, Council would definitely be their, the best hire of these guys that um, they're rumored to have interviewed. But in my opinion, if we're just like you know playing a guessing game, I feel like Mendoza is going to end up being the Mets manager. Really? And I think Council is going to return to Milwaukee. And there was just a report from a Brewers uh, beat writer that he's uh, Council's looking for around $5 million. And if the Brewers were to offer that, he'd be willing to return. So, um, And a decision is expected to come today, according to a lot of these reports. Um, so that's just me guessing, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think he goes to the Mets um, as much as it would be a great hire for the Mets. And I think Mendoza ends up, uh, you know, the other New York team. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to make it sound like I don't think Mendoza can manage a team, right? But, like, I think for for what they're doing right now, I, I just – I personally don't know if it makes much sense to go for that first-time guy. You know what I mean? Um, if they were doing – and I know the Mets are going to have this year be a quote-unquote rebuild type season in a way, but I can't really envision that when I still see the talent that's there. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, they, they kind of remind me, and I don't mind if you if you don't agree with me on this, Kyle, because I, I know it's going to be off base. The Mets next year remind me a little bit of, say, like the Diamondbacks this year, where they weren't supposed to do anything that they really did this year. Com- competitive? Yes. Make it let alone a World Series run, but make a playoff run of any kind? Probably not, and they did. Um, so 
I kind of view the Mets maybe in that scope. And I just, like I said, I, I don't know if a first-time manager is right for that. If they were doing a full-fledged rebuild, yeah, because you are able to grow and have that growing pains and experience with those young guys as you go through the process with them, right? But the fact of the matter is you still have, like I said, I, I, I can't with the talent still there. Unless they have something deep planned on, like, the Pete Alonzo front, which maybe it's something we should talk about in this podcast, but I don't think we should because, frankly, I, that, that, that it, it's a mess in, in that scape with him at the moment. But I, I just – it would just make more sense to me. If, if you're that committed on the Craig Council front, just go and get Craig. Like, I, I just – I struggled – I struggle to think why the Mets are kind of, I think, balking in a sense. Or maybe or maybe like you said, Kyle, right? Maybe it's more Craig Council balking at it, and he's just trying to – maybe it's a deeper cut of trying to create leverage than even I'm assuming it is, you know? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked that it's coming down to money. Yeah. Um, I guess he wants to uh, pass Terry Francona's uh, – something about his uh, $4.5 million that he was yeah. making. Um, Which – not not to interrupt, but Terry Francona might be the greatest manager of of our generation, more or less. Uh, you know, Hall of Famer slam dunk when when that time comes in a couple of years. Craig's not at that level. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of think it's weird that there's a report about yeah. money. Um, wouldn't you want to also just win? Right. Um, and you're a manager. Uh, isn't three million, four million dollars enough? Mm. You need an extra million dollars. Jeez. Um, but yeah, uh, Mendoza would. I I don't know. I just think Mendoza gonna end up there. But Council would be the best hire. We'll see what happens. I would love if news broke now, but it'd make it'll our probably life, right after we're done. It'd make our life easier, right? Yep. I mean, rather than pr- presumably us, you know, I'll I'll do the peel back the curtain stuff here for a second, right? Where you know we get done recording this, I'm gonna go edit it and have it out by probably two or three o'clock this afternoon type thing, right? It'd make life a hell of a whole lot easier if news happened, but I know what's going to happen is I don't even think it's going to be like a today type thing, Kyle. I guarantee it's like 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, and we're going to have to hop on and do, and do a Zoom emergency call at like 11 o'clock or noon or whatever and just give a take there and, and keep it moving. But uh, that's completely different for a different time. That's just the way life works. <laughs> um, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about a couple other things here for the Mets. A um, couple roster things here. Brooks Raley, left-hander, uh, his option's been picked up by the team. Didn't surprise me. This is a guy that they made a move for with, with Tampa Bay for. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me, younger guy coming off injury, um, a guy that, you know, we kind of talked about at one point when they were kind of figuring out the closer situation after trading away David Robertson. Uh, would he be a guy who stepped into that role? And he did every now and then. Um so I'm happy to see that he's coming back. The Mets need that lefty bullpen arm anyway in the first place. And uh, why not continue to develop Brooks into that into that role that you need? Secondly, Omar uh, Navarez, he's coming back next year. He picked up his player option for the year. I'm all for that. Um, he's a really great clubhouse guy. I think that's been come to know and we've seen from his time, whether it's in Milwaukee to Seattle to it's obviously now in New York. Um and in my mind, kind of the perfect guy to back up Francisco Alvarez kind of moving forward anyway. They're two very, at their core, they're two very similar players. And 
I'm going to make a football analogy here for, for baseball. Um, we both agree on this one, actually, Kyle, in this one. I know we do. When you have a quarterback, you want your backup to be similar to your starter. You know, he's not going to be as good as your starter, but you want their play style to be the same, right? If you have um, – so, Buffalo Bills, right? If you have Josh Allen, right, you don't want your backup quarterback to be Brian Hoyer, right? You'd rather have that individual be like who they have now, Kyle Allen, who, yeah, he may not be as quick as Josh Allen, but you know that he can scramble if needed, you know? Uh, kind of like what the Giants did, right, with Daniel Jones to Tyrod Taylor. Well, it should you know? be Josh Allen, Trey Lance. Apologies. <laughs> but uh, they didn't want to give up. What, what, did they, what did the Cowboys get? Third, a fifth? Third round pick. It was a very late yeah. round pick. Um, but yeah, that's another discussion. Right, right. But that's just but yeah. I, to me, I think it's for for baseball. I think you kind of want that same type of stuff for the catcher, right? Catchers who call a similar game, who are pretty much the same base player, who um, know how to handle the staff, and I think that's great. I, Omar, his year got derailed by injury this year, but uh, you know the fact of the matter is, kind of like the Yankees, the Mets are in a good spot. You don't have to worry about that position now in free agency at all. You have your answer with one of your young top prospects as your number one and a good veteran backup at number two. And that's a really good positive to go in, like I said, to the offseason, into free agency, knowing that you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I 100% agree. And Brooks Raley, I uh, just want to mention him. He's really turned his career around the last two years. Yeah. Uh, 2.68 ERA, 2.80 ERA. Um, very reliable, but as we've said all along, uh, all, all of uh, last season, the Mets have to improve their bullpen. Mm-hmm. They're using these high leverage guys so much that, you know, eventually they wear down at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, I do like the moves, uh, both moves there, Nervais and Rayleigh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too. But, yeah, I mean, the, the pitching is going to be interesting here. Uh, let, let's jump into that a little bit here, too. Um, so as soon as the Mets got done doing their all right waivers, we'll touch on that in a second. They bring in Penn Murphy from waivers off of Seattle. Another former Mariner. Which will be interesting because, well, yeah, but Murphy won't be able to even pitch until halfway through the year this year because of arm surgery that he had this past year. Uh, but when Penn Murphy's been on, he's been really good. Uh, when he's been off, though. He looks kinda, like Trevor Not. I was about to say, kind of the story of a, of a couple of these guys, right? So. I think for that, that's just kind of like one of those deals where, you know, stash and maybe is this kind of off-season version of John Curtis for the Mets, right? I mean, so when I bring up that name, we'll touch, I'll say it again here in a minute, but where it's, uh, you know, you know what you have when it's the peak, right? And you hope that you just don't have to worry about those valleys uh, as often. So I mentioned that. Let's talk about the players that the Mets outright put on waivers. Uh, outfielder Tim LaCastro and right-hand pitchers Danny Reyes, Bryce Montes de Oca, who's coming off of an injury as well, John Curtis, Elysia Hernandez, who's also on an injury, and Peyton Battenfield. Um, so a lot of pitching spaces uh, relieved in that space. The interesting one to me anyway was actually Peyton Battenfield, who the Mets brought in in August off of waivers. I kind of figured he would be kind of a quote-unquote project for them, but kind of looks not the case anymore. Uh, but either way, um, does suck. Obviously, locally, Tim LaCastro uh, not going to be with the Mets, it looks like, here coming up. Uh, but, uh, you know, a few spaces available, freed up on the 40-man. 
see who the Mets one with minor leagues protect, and two, I mean, their 60-day IL is a it's a laundry list of guys, unfortunately. So uh, they they'll have more space to have to figure out here coming up anyway in the coming days, but. That first round of pieces kind of caught some names that did caught me off guard. I mean, Bryce Montesteoka, before he got hurt in spring, was looking really good, and he ended the year really good for the Mets too last year after getting called up. Um, you know, Hernandez they brought in from Miami, just never worked out well. The injuries derailed the year for Hernandez the whole time. Reyes we saw a little bit here and there with Syracuse and, and New York anyway, so he was just a kind of a bounce back and forth guy and. You know, who knows uh, what what the plan was there. And John Curtis, I mentioned, right, just can never get anything going consistently. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see where he sticks. But, you know, the Mets, like I said, probably a similar deal with the Yankees. They're just trying to clear up their roster space and, and hopefully try and make some moves here kind of going forward. Random thought. Oh. I feel like Tim LaCasher is going to end up with a very bad team, and that team would, would be the Oakland Athletics. I feel like he's going to – uh, head out he kind of fits that bill. <laughs> yeah, and who's the other uh, who's the other guy in center that's fast? Story Ruiz. Yeah, Lee. What are they going to stick Lola Castro in left or right? And right. They're going to have a pretty uh, fast outfield. Brent Rooker, those out there. Oh, that's true. That's true. When's his contract up? It's a good question. He's got to get out of there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. This kind of off topic but i don't know just random thought because I, I feel like this is, just can't find a home this is what happens when baseball minds get together next thing you know we'll be down a path of talking about guys from two three years ago that who knows where they are now <laughs> oh my god not till 2028 really he's gonna be 33 when he's ufa wow well he won't be an a then <laughs> he's he'll be traded before then yeah um I guess some more news if you wanted. The Guardians made a serious push for counsel before really uh, bringing on Stephen Bull. So I don't know. Take that with whatever and take that for data. Uh, Bob Nightingale says Craig Counsel is expected to decide today whether he will stay in Milwaukee or go to New York. How about that? We got to trust Bob. <laughs> Never a good thing. Uh, I don't mean to despair. Did you, wait, this is a little off topic again, yeah. but did you see when uh, he was trying to mention Cattell Marte in a tweet really? uh, for the World Series and he put Starling and <laughs> left it up? Left it up for hours. Really? Yeah, he put Starling Marte. I did not see that. <laughs> yep. I don't follow Bob, though, so that's on me. Hey, one quick note before we kind of get out of here. There's been no news out of Syracuse, really. Uh, with the Mets as it stands right now, that's kind of expected. The minor leagues are a weird time. Uh, they also, uh, they have their, you know, Kyle mentioned it, right? The GM meetings are occurring this week in Arizona for the big league teams. Well, minor league executive meetings are going on this week in Las Vegas. So uh, stuff, you know, in the grand scheme of it, you won't even really see anyway. Um, but just a note, coaching staff, we usually don't know until after the new year, uh, which kind of circles us to actually Rochester in a in a weird way. They let go of eight minor league coaches. Don't know who, have not seen who. Everything is kind of behind the paywall of sorts in that sense. Um, so I don't know. And really the only other news that, that I have in terms of the minor league stuff is out of Rochester as well. Their renovations are underway and upgrades as part of the host agreements and stuff like that. New banding cages, new clubhouses, uh, new umpire facilities. And also, I saw they're also building a brand new kind of much more expanded kitchen for the concessions as well. 
through all this, so that's really awesome to see. Uh, we're really lucky up here. I, I talk about it a lot, but we're lucky up here that we have some pretty good facilities, all things considered, in Rochester and Syracuse and Buffalo, too, if you want to get, get extended on it. Um, you know, it's funny because I was trying to look up some news for, for Syracuse, see if anything popped up, Kyle. And uh, Dick Scott, you know, the manager this past year, uh, originally, uh, he's from Maine and still lives in Maine, so he's doing a radio interview up there. And, um, you know, he talked about how, like, when he was with the Blue Jays system back 10 or so years ago, uh, when they would come to Syracuse, it was AstroTurf, bad facilities and whatever. And over the course of the past decade, he said he, it was awesome to kind of see, you know, uh, the, just the great work that the group over there ha has done. Uh, it's a big kudos to the staff of Syracuse. You know, Jason, the GM over there, does a really great job. And, uh, you know, Dick has mentioned that uh, the turf over there is some of the best in the league now, he has been told by other coaches and stuff. So, uh, kudos to them, and they, we, we don't talk about enough about kind of like the behind-the-scenes stuff enough. But um, you know, we really are lucky to have some some really good facilities up this way. Uh, you know, even though <laughs> even though even though old Rob Manford tried to grab a couple more teams from up this way in that uh, 2020 uh, minimization plan, uh, he didn't quite get get everybody. So uh, it's just awesome to see these historic city, historic baseball towns, really, who have been around since more or less the beginning have uh, some credit where credit's getting deserved and making the improvements to hang around for another, what, 150 years <laughs> of baseball. Yeah, big fan of all the upgrades Syracuse has done. Um, I still probably would prefer going, oh, my God, I almost said Frontier Field. <laughs> uh, I miss when it used to be that. But, yeah, I'd probably still prefer going to Rochester. But still I, Ralph Wilson Stadium, right? <laughs> but I do like Syracuse a lot, and I agree with you, all the upgrades and all the stuff that they've poured into it have been awesome. And um, just a little off topic because I don't know if you were going to mention it, but shout-out to Anthony Volpe for this Gold Glove Award. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. I, I didn't know how I wanted to approach that be only because it's the first award out for the year. Uh, is the Gold Glove, and not not that you know the Yankees are going to be, or the Yankees or the Mets are going to be, you know, running away with MVPs and managers of the year and, and stuff like that. But uh, Garrett Cole, Cy Young, is about it. Yeah. So I, I kind of was going to table that until probably our next podcast. So I don't know what our schedule is exactly going to be like moving forward here. Uh, obviously. If it's an outright huge, crazy, whatever, we'll probably do a mini breaking episode of some sort uh, when the Mets make their manager decision. Uh, the Epler investigation, again, still there's no outright public traction on that. Rob Manford did comment on it, though, during the World Series, so they are looking into everything still with that. Um, the way it sounds, I'm guessing actually the Mets probably won't be held to anything as an organization. We're probably looking at more on the Epler side of things specifically as the individual. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll probably get together again uh, for a diehard episode here, I'd say, Kyle, in a couple weeks. Uh, but like I said, probably have an emergency one of sorts once an official hire gets done by the Mets for manager. Yep, and the winter meetings are in Nashville this year. Yeah. Um, they start December 4th. Yep. So less than a month. Um, yeah, so things will probably get rolling here with, like, news and stuff eventually. 
and Leadham's going on right now. Arizona Fall League's wrapping up. Yep. Uh, the Australian Winter League gets going here shortly as well. Great stuff. I love it. Uh, yeah, it's been, what, 36 days since the Yankees and Mets last played. And to be honest, it feels like it's been longer to me. Yeah. Um, just because we're so used to the Yankees at least making a wild card. Yeah. And they've had a way longer offseason already than normally. So, yeah. 142 days to go till opening day. <laughs> Who's counting? <laughs> Who is counting, though? Yeah. So that'll do it then for us for today here on Concrete Jungle. Appreciate everybody for listening or watching, depending upon your choice. Major podcasting platforms. Appreciate you guys. Make sure you like, subscribe. Fun stuff there on the FrankRakes1.com YouTube channel. Follow us on TikTok. We're over on FL1 Sports. Uh, we post some clips, highlights. Kyle is a friend of the Canadians this time of year, especially uh, with that. Uh, post a lot of football content over there, too, if that's your thing. But uh, during baseball, too, obviously, we we cater to our special audience there like you guys. So uh, really appreciate everybody for listening and tuning in throughout the year. Great year. We'll be back again before you know it to talk some more baseball here in the coming weeks. Till then. Have fun, everybody. Stay safe, and we'll talk with everybody later.